let's talk about our agenda, right? Uh, three quick topics, uh, what you can see, uh, when you would use, and why you would use spectrum analysis uh, in network design. And then we're gonna have some Q&A. Uh, so let's start off the, right off the bat. You know, what, what can you see with spectrum analysis in network design? And I'd like to start this off with a funny. Uh, this is Bill Murray and this is Ghostbusters 1984. Probably some of you guys haven't seen this. I actually saw this in the theater. Uh, and I want to level set about uh, spectrum analysis. So so I'm setting the scene here. Uh, Sigourney Weaver's character, Solid Ghost, and called the experts, which was Ghostbusters. And Bill Murray, being the foremost expert, is doing a scan of her apartment in Ghostbusters. And he has this really interesting tool. And the customer is a little gets a little frustrated with Bill and says, "Is that thing even working? Do you even know how to use it?" And Bill Murray's response is, "You know, uh, I, I think so." <laughs> and that just that 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 slays me, uh, especially when we talk about um, spectrum analyzers, right? So, uh, spectrum. Let's let's level set with with what a spectrum analyzer is. And if you guys follow Keith Parson, and if you don't, I, I highly suggest you do. He does a great a lot of lot of lot of great information about spectrum analysis and different vendors and pros and cons and but he always starts level setting about what spectrum and um, analysis is and he starts at the very basic level and i'd like to you know steal some of his his words and is that you know we're human beings uh we see and hear in a certain spectrum and Wi-Fi is radio frequency, it's RF. We don't hear it and we don't see it. So what we have done, and think about astronomy as well, is that we have taken a machine to basically say, listen to these frequencies that we can't hear with the, with the common eye or with the, the common ear and color code it based on temperature, air quotes, right? On signal strength and then give it to us in a way that humans can interpret what we're seeing. So with a grain of salt, that's what spectrum analyzers are, right? It is actually a machine with code and everybody does a little bit different <clears throat> that listens to these certain frequencies and certain bands and then reports the signal strength. Now, if there's anything that you guys could remember from this, this presentation, uh, is the one thing I'd like you guys to, to walk away with, and I think it covers everything with spectrum analysis, all vendors included, is that you really need to focus on the time frame of the sample. Spectrum analysis is slices of time, usually averaged together. And it's gonna be a reoccurring theme that I'm gonna talk about in this presentation, but I'm gonna talk about the four main uses and you're gonna see this in all three main topics. Uh, you know, Channel utilization, channel width, channel centers, and, and our favorite non-Wi-Fi interference. What is this, right? That's, that's gonna be some fun stuff that we'll talk about. So let's talk about channel utilization or duty cycle. Again, notice this right here. Uh, and I have a question. If channel utilization is 50%, uh, is it time to move channels? Is it time to in intervene? If you guys can see this down here, here's a person connected on uh, one channel, right? Great signal strength on 2.4 on six. Two clients are connected during the sample, but is that 61% utilization? I'm curious in the Q&A chat, is this a good thing? Is this a bad thing? Well, let's talk about duty cycle, right? So duty cycle is <clears throat> basically a percentage. So and let's also compare it to what the Wi-Fi medium is. So 
60% of the time, this channel is occupied. Well, all clients in Wi-Fi are communicating, right? So they need to communicate. They need to, to get on the, on, on the, on the medium, uh, transfer information and hop off. Wi-Fi is a very polite uh, medium, polite standard saying, you know, after you, after you, after you, right? So yes, it is a problem. So this is something that we're going to see in spectral analysis. And I think this is one of the values of having a spectrum <clears throat> analysis in your environment. Let's move on to channel width. And again, we haven't looked at spectrum uh, analysis yet, but I'm just you know, setting the, the, the theme here. So we all know the 1611 on 2.4, right? These are in, again, we're North America, so don't, don't worry about this guy, right? We're just talking about North America frequently. Sorry for our guys in uh, other, other areas. <clears throat> but uh, you know, we have the non-overlapping channels, 1611. We have a center frequency for one, six, and 11. So most of our great designs, uh, in my opinion, should be uh, in the width of 20 megahertz, right? So you'll notice over here, you know, we've got uh, some, some definitely some signals happening and using one, six, and 11, but you'll notice if I count this, five, 10, 15, 20, right? 20 megahertz channel, center channel, right? So this is where we're at. <clears throat> you'll also notice, look at this fellow right here all the way across, 5, 10, 15, 20, 25, 30, 35, 40, 40 megahertz channel, right? That's a bonded channel on 2.4, interfering with basically everybody here. So what does this mean with spectrum analysis? <clears throat> so in our first screen where we actually talk about what we can see uh, is we have a line graph for spectrum um, analyzer, and we have two different ones. And there's gonna be a little trivia question here about why they are a little bit different. In the 2.4 band, this is what we want to see. Our, our colleague, Eric Camuli, uh, likes to say that this is a beautiful W, um, and it just, it just resonates with me. If I have a AP client network, I've put a channel plan, and I am making sure that I'm using channel six, how do you verify that? And I'll pose the question, could a AP say that it's broadcasting and working on one channel and it's actually broadcasting and working on another? And the answer is yes. We actually see it quite a bit. I mean, a lot of bugs and vendors, right? You know, it's just code. Uh, but this is what you want to see. You want to see in spectrum analysis that in a pre and post environment, we'll talk about here in the next few slides, that if I am using channel six, right? Let's just look at our, our 2.4 center frequencies. Right, I want to see that dip, right? And I want to see information. I want to see signal strength on both sides of it. And then I want to see a nice drop. If I saw this spike, right, in this area, what does that mean? That means that somebody's communicating on a non-overlapping channel, right? Or I'm communicating on a non-overlapping channel and not know that. So why the two different spectrum analysis uh, graphs here. Well, I have two spectrum analyzers here. You'll notice that the signal and frequency, the X and Y graph, this goes back to my big shout out for looking at spectrum analysis, is before you look at any of the data, look at what you're actually looking at because it slices in time and it's also usually averaged out, right? And I'll, we'll show some metrics how it, it skews over different time samples. Uh, but why would one Sapphire Eye, and, then, and of course this is what we're using, uh, or any spectrum analysis, have a better signal strength, right, than the other? 
And it's a real simple answer, right? It is physically closer to this AP, to this BSSID, right? It's, it hears the signal strength, it is closer to it. So of course it has a, 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 stronger, a stronger signal. But again, in line graph spectrum analysis, this is a great tool to confirm you know, where your channel plan, where your clients are actually uh, working. And let's move that to the actual uh, spectrum analysis, the waterfall. And what is going on right here, right? So let's talk about non-Wi-Fi interference. Again, another way of looking at data before you even look at the data, notice my sample. So what am I looking at? I'm looking at the frequency, I'm looking at base speed, right? But I'm looking at a huge point in time, 20, one day, two day, three day, four day, five day, six day, seven day, eight days. So before even looking at this and making a diagnosis of what's happening, you, me, all of us, we need to look back and look these days in time, that's, that's eight days worth of data that's averaged, right, uh, from, from this device. Am I supposed to have information during, you know, say the weekends or holidays? You know, when are my clients actually in use? When are they in business? Why do I see something that is just always hot 24-7, 365? I mean, that's what this is, right? Why is it short and as a width, right? Finding non-Wi-Fi interference and some devices that are kind of outside the norm are usually really easy to spot, you know, especially where, where you see you know, just something hot all the time begs the question, is it supposed to be there? Is it not supposed to be there? Usual suspects, microwave, but only when it's microwaving. I don't know if that's a word. I actually did check the glossary at the source. I couldn't find one, but, you know, everybody says microwave, but no one ever thinks, well, you know, it's only going to have interference when the microwave, microwave is on microwaving, and then it's only going to have interference, you know, for people in those frequency and basically on those location, right? Cordless phones, if we still use them, same thing, they kind of pop up all over the plot place. And then we have our newer <clears throat> uh, 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 usual suspects, uh, industrial machines, uh, security cameras, spy cameras, and it starts to bleed into if something's actually not Wi-Fi interference at all, but you can see it on spectrum analysis. Is it a Chromecast? Does Chromecast actually confirm? or fit the bill as non-Wi-Fi interference, Roku, Bluetooth. Can one Bluetooth my, a mouse actually cause interference? Hmm, how about a whole bunch of them in a call center with headsets, right, that are stationary, right? Uh, <clears throat> you can also pick up things like non, uh, like hidden nodes or hidden SSIDs in the spectrum analysis. I have a great website uh, at the end of this presentation that you can actually pick some criteria that you see in spectrum analysis and you can get a good idea of what that device is that's actually broadcasting in your environment. So stay tuned for that. So let's move back to the uh, topic about when you would use this. So I believe that you should use spectrum analysis before, after, and during, right? Uh, I believe it is a good time to have an example of this information, you know, as to whatever your business model is. I, I hope that I'm beating into the point that you can do a scan and you're only seeing what that is at that point in time. You're not getting any historical information. Um, it is a great uh, tool basically to look into the past 
you know, and start to look at trends, but you want to make sure and think about your customers and your clients that you're actually looking at it. But let's talk about the these four. We're talking about pre and post survey. That's pretty obvious. And then my favorite is continual monitoring and then also using it as a troubleshooting tool. So pre-site survey, this is really basic, as we know, you know, um, <clears throat> what is this, right? And just keep wanting to do that, right? So I've seen something automatically as an engineer, you're like, what's going on over here? So you'll notice, you know, there's definitely some non-space here. So I have a you know, regular format. This is our office. These are our, our spectrum analysis, which are SAPRIs. And I'm looking at one of them and I've just done a scan over time just to see what's what, right? So I can start to make the decision before I install my APs of what the channel is gonna look like, what the interference is gonna look like. You know, can I use some channels? You know, what's, what's going on, right? Moving on, after you install the APs, <clears throat> I think this is a pretty big miss. Uh, and, and, I, and, I, and I hope you guys are, are listening. Um, is that we see this as soon as somebody does a post survey and installs the installs the APs and gets the RM or ARM running, uh, away it goes, never to look at it again. You need to confirm that it's actually your APs, your your controller, your environment is actually on the plan that you set it to. So again, this goes back to the example previous is that I have my APs, you know, on a specific channel. I want to see that information. I want to see that working on that channel. I want to be able to confirm that, yes, this plan is right. <clears throat> if I'm moving channels, I'm using ARM, RM, you know, am I doing something, you know, that is proper, that's not actually hurting me? <clears throat> I'm not against uh, uh, RM or ARM. I think it's a great tool, but I have seen it, in especially high-dense environments where it just starts going crazy and just starts causing more problems than it actually ties to help. Uh, we have other webinars that talk about that. Um, suggest you guys check that out. Uh, but again, this is after the survey when I've installed. And again, this is uh, <clears throat> this is best practices from uh, certified wireless uh, network professionals is to make sure that your your channels are and your APs are broadcasting and working on the channels that you selected. And then continual monitoring. And I, I think this is for the case of actually having some type of device if you can. Um, to look at the network and be there basically doing its job over time because then you get great historicals and you can see things new. Remember we talked about how Wi-Fi is an unlicensed, unbonded, anybody can use uh, you know, uh, metric or, or, or standard and things can change. So you'll notice here, you know, my, my, my RF can actually look very different from time to time. You need to take that into account when you're troubleshooting Wi-Fi issues because it's so difficult to pinpoint, you know, inter is interference actually causing an issue, a digital experience issue with customers and is actually the Wi-Fi issues or something else going on. Um, you know, those, those non-Boolean issues, sometimes it's great, sometimes it's not. Right? That's when you start looking at that time, that timeline, starting to get that information from spectrum analysis saying, hey, what, what's going on, right? So another one is troubleshooting, and this is the same data, but what I wanted, and this is for every vendor, <clears throat> but it's in different time periods of the same. So notice how different the coloring, just at the coloring looks, and then how some things always stay constant. So we have several days here. I believe this one's just one day, and then we have just a combination of, of a whole, I think this one's actually even um, 30 days or two weeks. Right. So 
things look different based on the time slot. I know that's pretty self-evident to say out loud, but as engineers, when we see something, we automatically want to start zeroing in and you always need to take a step back, especially with spectrum analysis this is the best practice, is to look more at your sample and what you're actually looking at, and then start to work either forwards or backwards from that. Um, but that's a, <clears throat> a great thing that I have to keep telling myself in my daily business that uh, yeah, I need to pay attention to the, the time period. So let's talk about, uh, again, uh, why you would use this, right? So this is the third, and you'll notice it's pretty much the same, right? Channel plan, continual monitoring, troubleshooting, and then Wi-Fi assurance. Uh, <clears throat> I wanna stress this uh, quite a bit with the waterfall. I, and this is a personal thing for, for my work, I like to go and confirm that what, I, what I'm being told by the AP, what I'm being told by other tools, is actually what's happening in the air. So I like to always go back and see, you know, is my client, my, my Wi-Fi station, is it connected at the right <clears throat> at the right fizz, right? Is my NIC uh, able to do the right fizz? And if so, can I do the latest and greatest, right? I'm not dropping down the end. I should be doing, you know, AC. Am I using both my both um, <clears throat> my two by two, right? Gets better data rates. And if not, why? Well, it's usually because of interference. What causes interference? Other Wi-Fi. How do I find what's interfering? spectrum analysis so I can start to go and look to say hey you know is something happening and causing this digital experience and then also confirming that my channel plan is what it is I in my career at seven signal I've seen many customers that we assumed the channel plan was X and it turned out to be vastly different over Y not sure if you guys have seen that in your experience would love to hear about it uh, but you know, having the spectrum analysis is that check of your being able to see that medium. I, I mentioned this slide right here about Wi-Fi assurance could be the same thing as monitoring, but uh, it's all about digital experience. And <clears throat> again, this is the clients, the Wi-Fi stations over a period of, I believe it's about, is it 24 hours? It looks, I think so. And these are client retries, and I put uh, some signals definition of what a client retry is right here. And what's really interesting is that a decade ago, 50%, which I was reading about it actually even last night, was considered okay for, for client retries. Now it's 10 is best practice. So that goes back into how do you start to move into looking at spectrum analysis, right? That, that Bill Murray thing, you know, what am I actually looking for? How does it work? Well, what causes client retries, right? From the clients to the AP, it's usually, you know, there's too much on the, there's too much contention. Why is there too much contention? You know, we'll start looking at the channel. Let's start looking at interference. Let's start looking at this, this, all this information because what happens to our Wi-Fi stations when we get a lot of interference, right? We start to, back down, the AP starts to back down, we start to run uh, at a slower, slower pace or on a, uh, sometimes even on another band, right? We'll jump if the SSID is in the 2.4 and the five and we're too far away, right? We'll drop to 2.4, you know, that kind of stuff, you know, things can start to pop up. So it does trickle. So again, spectrum analysis is great for not seeing client retries. Spectrum analysis is a layer, layer one, right? It's a layer one medium, uh, straight at the physical layer, but it shows you so much about, you know, the lanes of your Wi-Fi plan. And if, if everybody's right, you know, and if something is actually interfering with it. 
So I would like to to stop right there and uh, talk to Jim about some of this. And Jim has a couple of examples uh, about you know actually looking at spectrum analysis and seeing an issue uh, from spectrum that was a little you know unique. And and Jim, um, I wonder if you could uh, if you could talk to these two uh, these two issues here. Yeah, thanks, Chris. So so two different things here, and and both of them show non-Wi-Fi sources of interference. And if you're not aware of these kind of things while you're doing your design, validating the design, before you do the design, it can really throw a wrench in things. So on the left, um, really busy 2.4 gigahertz band, and there's Wi-Fi operating on channels 1, 6, and 11, but there are two other non-Wi-Fi protocols operating in the band. There's Bluetooth, and you can see these really narrow band uh, uh, transmissions around um, like 2445 and up at the on the far right upper end of the band. That's where BLE does its advertising. And then when there's data to transmit. Uh, Bluetooth will frequency hop across the whole band. And so you see that wideband activity periodically there as well. So there's Bluetooth devices advertising and they're transmitting and they're using the whole band. It's true that Bluetooth has um, a, a, a Wi-Fi avoidance mechanism built in, but if Wi-Fi is using the whole band already, using channels one, six, and 11, there's only so much, you know, avoidance that can occur. But the other thing I saw here, there are those, again, narrow band uh, transmitters, um, but with much higher signal strength right in the middle of the band. And they look to be about, you know, three, maybe five megahertz wide. That's 802.15.4, probably Zigbee. Um, or another wireless protocol that uses 802.15.4. So all this is happening in the 2.4 gigahertz band. And if there are you know, critical devices operating there because they're 2.4 gigahertz only, and that's just a constraint of the design, um, it's gonna be a real challenge and this is gonna need to be addressed. So really hammers home the importance of, of design uh, of having visibility into the spectrum while you do your design. On the right there, this is the five gigahertz band. It's actually just a look at Uni 1. Actually, sorry, that's Uni 1 all the way through Uni 2. So channels 36 through 64. And this was a really perplexing one, uh, but I, I tracked it down during troubleshooting. Um, that we're actually looking at the duty cycle here of a transmitter and you can see over time it's about a hundred percent so you can imagine just flipping a radio on it's transmitting continuously there's no listen before talk there's no end of transmission it's just sending a signal constantly and analog devices are are typically what what do that that is death to wi-fi because wi-fi like chris mentioned is a polite protocol. It has to listen before it talks, 
and it will not transmit if it detects an ongoing transmission from another source on the channel. So all the Wi-Fi devices operating on, you know, about channels, you know, 40 up to 44 or so, APs and clients simply are not transmitting. They're buffering frames, they're not transmitting, they're experiencing packet loss, they can't connect, they're disconnected, uh, it's a disaster. So what this device was, was actually a cellular phone um, signal booster. So you might wonder, why is a cellular signal booster operating in the unlicensed five gigahertz band? Well, this was a device that had two components. So there was the um, sort of uh, outdoor <clears throat> receiver, not outdoor, but sort of external receiver you put near the window that would receive the signal uh, um, from the, the carrier. And then there was this indoor component you put where you wanted better coverage. And the way they communicated back and forth was with, with some proprietary uh, uh, wireless protocol in the five gigahertz band. So extremely disruptive and also makes the case that you do need to look at five gigahertz too. There can be ugly stuff there as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's, a, that's amazing, Jim. Thank you. Um, without spectrum analysis, how would that have been diagnosed, do you think? Well, you know, <laughs> of course, the, the problem report came in as voice calls dropping, people can't connect, <laughs> slow Wi-Fi. You know, it's the same thing we hear uh -huh. every time there's a Wi-Fi problem. Uh -huh. And um, you could go and, and experience the issues yourself, but without a spectrum analyzer, it's really just a guessing game as to what the, the underlying cause is because non-Wi-Fi devices are totally invisible to Wi-Fi devices. Um, you have to have a spectrum analyzer to, to see what's going on outside of the 802.11 protocol. My goodness. It's amazing. Thanks Jim for, for that, that information. That's uh that is that is something I never would have put those two together. You know, <laughs> that's that's a you know it's a, a cell phone booster. Wow, mm -hmm. that's causing a, a drop voice. That's some some irony in it. <laughs> uh, you know, <laughs> yeah, there's a good joke in there, isn't there? Cellular <laughs> versus Wi-Fi. <laughs> so uh, again, uh, just the conscious time. I just want to wrap this you know up about you know troubleshooting and assurance. You know, it's it's to Jim's point it's a great way to <clears throat> diagnose and then you know make sure that that your space your 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 environment is behaving like you programmed it to and then also if people are interfering with it or if other devices are interfering that's the tool it's going to save you a, a ton of time uh you know a ton of frustration and you know and having wi-fi and it's hard to to solve problems that is when you know spectrum analysis is is a great great tool and then pre and post, making sure that things are are together, and then just continually monitoring that. We like to see you know, how things change in the in the air. Um, I wanted to <clears throat> wrap up with uh, some some tools for you. Again, these were the topics that we we we, we hammered home. 
Uh, but I had found uh, a great tool. And if you guys have seen this, I, I'd like to know your comments on it. Um, but every every device that's registered with the FCC, like I'm just holding up a, my, my cell phone, uh, it has to be in a database. And you can actually search on that device by its FCC number. And you can also put information in the search engine. So why, right? What, what's why, you know, Chris, why are you showing me this? Well, let's say I like had Jim had mentioned, I've got something that's coming in and out and is only using like a you know, three megahertz wide or one megahertz wide. And it's always at this frequency. Well, you can, you can start to find out what that device is because again, it's, it's invisible to non Wi-Fi devices. It's not going to tell you by a tool or anything that says, Oh, I'm, I'm the new digital display here at, at, uh, at headquarters. <clears throat> Uh, you can type this information into this database and, and start to find and get really close uh, to what device is actually interfering. And I've had some luck with it at 7Signal. Uh, we've found TVs um, that uh, that were broadcasting Wi-Fi. Um, again, they weren't supposed to. It was turned off. But we couldn't figure out what it was. We didn't have you know the, the MAC address for it, but we went and looked at its frequency and added some other stuff. And I was like, well, do you have a so-and-so television? Like, oh yeah, it's right here. How long has it been there? Oh, since this problem started, right? I mean, it wasn't that easy, but yeah, so that's a great tool for you. And then other, I wanted to throw just a couple of tools. These aren't spectrum analysis devices in the sense. I'm not gonna go into a uh, dissertation on, you know, who's better, you know, pros and cons, spectrum analysis, there's quite a bit out there. Um, again, it's really to, to, to what fits your needs. Um, but you know, I like, I like the channel visualizers and there's a free one for, for windows, which is WinFi. Uh, there's a paid version for it. I paid for it. I was like, wow, this is great. And I did the same thing for Mac, uh, for Wi-Fi Explorer Lite. Uh, I use these, you know, all the time <clears throat> and it's just a great little visualization. Again, this is, you know, a nice to have, but again, you would only use this when, you know, Hey, is something up, I'm just popping up. I'm seeing what it is now, but you know, I'm not going to get that historical. I'm not going to get, you know, deep. I'm not going to get spectrum analysis. I'm just going to get really just channel information, but those are some great, you know, little tools, you know, hopefully that, that you have, and this will be uploaded if you wanted to go to that link. And yeah, Chris, one thing too, about Wi-Fi Explorer, the pro version allows you co to connect a, a USB spectrum an analyzer, like, uh, what you can get from MetaGeek. So you can see some, right. some rudimentary spectrum analysis there. That's right. That's right. Thank you, Jim. I forgot all about that. Yeah, I was just thinking of the, the, the free stuff. Um, but what a great, what a, the great tools. I mean, um, really, really interesting. So that is it for the presentation piece. Um, I'm going to stop sharing my screen. And yeah. uh, if there are some questions, I will do my best um, to answer. And yeah, let me, um, yeah. yeah, let me bounce some of these off you there, Chris. And uh, uh, welcome uh, anyone else that has a question to drop it in the Q&A panel. He had a question or just a comment from Frank as we were going along. He says, I suspect there was a Zigbee gateway in one of the spectrum charts we saw. And I think he was right. We see Zigbee more and more among our customers and uh, people evaluating our our gear like the Sapphire with a spectrum analyzer. And mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it's a complete surprise. We didn't know we had any Zigbee devices. Mm -hmm. it perhaps was a project done outside of IT. Um, so uh, certainly something growing. It's the new shadow net, right? Is that what they call it? The shadow network or you know, shadow, shadow, kind of IT. shadow IT? Yep. Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> yep. Well, there's a lot of other groups that want to have wireless devices mm -hmm. and, you know, they can sneak something by without going through IT. Sometimes mm -hmm. they'll try. Question from Yermund, and uh, thanks for the question, Yermund. He says, uh, getting into kind of the, the uh, semantics, really, but what is the difference between duty cycle and channel utilization? Mm -hmm. Good question. I'm going to say yeah. it's all based on time samples, but you know, I'm going to defer to the CWNE on the on the on the chat here. They are closely related um, ideas. Sometimes you'll see them used interchangeably, but channel utilization is specifically measuring the utilization of a 20 megahertz wide Wi-Fi channel, uh, and and thinking about it in that context duty cycle doesn't have a uh, channel width associated with it so it's really just the percentage of time a transmitter is transmitting so we often see duty cycle used for non-wi-fi sources of interference that might be really narrow band or or wide and just talk about you know uh, the duty cycle independent of the channel width mm -hmm. You can see the difference between a CWNA DP answer and a CWNE. I was like, well, it's something with time. <laughs> uh, Wayne, Wayne asked, are there any good layman tools for spectrum analysis? I think we covered that in the slide there. Check out mm -hmm. WinFi and, and Wi-Fi Explorer for sure. Uh, Anoush, uh, sorry, Anusha. Hope I got that right. Um, question is, when interference happens during up, uplink traffic how do wi-fi ap's change channel when non-wi-fi devices are involved so i think i think the question is how does a, yeah how do how does an ap react in terms of channel changes when there's a, a the presence of non-wi-fi interference right so the wi-fi uh second question is that it won't because it doesn't see it right jim um most of the so, time, that's correct. So you got to sort of hope <laughs> it, it may just sit there. I mean, these are mm -hmm. the channel changing algorithms are proprietary. So that's right. So, First question. Yep. Mm -hmm. So the AP may just sit there or it may say, hey, the retries on this channel are really high. I have no mm -hmm. idea why, but I'll just mm -hmm. switch channels and see if that's better. Mm -hmm. But it won't. Um... It won't it won't make the the connection between hey there was a non Wi-Fi device in my channel space that was causing that um, interference and so I'm going to change channels and then it also wouldn't just be able to identify right that there's non Wi-Fi in my channel right so I'm gonna I'm gonna move to something yeah. else right yeah yeah an eight hundred two eleven radio can't do that so mm -hmm. if you have a expensive enterprise AP that also has a spectrum analyzer built in. And that's a possibility, mm -hmm. uh, but but not every AP, of course, has that uh, feature. That's a good question. Yeah. Um, couple more questions here. Um, so other than, okay, question from John. So other than removing a Zigbee device, how do you resolve the interference issue? Can things be configured to be compatible in 
or around a Wi-Fi environment? So good question, John. And this is where, where it's helpful to have, you know, a little bit of uh, understanding of some of those non-Wi-Fi uh, protocols that share the band. So Zigbee, you know, uses much narrower channels and some of them kind of can fit in between the three non-overlapping channels that Wi-Fi uses in 2.4 gigahertz. Um, I think channels 25 and 26 in the Zigbee world are uh, distinct and, you know, have some frequency separation from the, from uh, up above channel 11. So you, you can, if you can configure that Zigbee system to run on a certain channel, you certainly can have it um, uh, avoid your Wi-Fi. Or you can say, well, I have a lot of Zigbee and I need to use several channels mm -hmm. and say uh, that, you know, means I'll remove <clears throat> one of the three channels from my Wi-Fi channel plan and 2.4 gigahertz and use that spectrum just for Zigbee. So you still can, you know, do some uh, uh, frequency, mm -hmm. you know, you know, some spectrum planning between the uh, protocols to prevent interference. Um, yeah, maybe one last question uh, from Olivier, who says, um, uh, and good question, what signal threshold do you usually use to calculate utilization or duty cycle? SNR of 4 dB, um, and does it depend on the situation? Cool. Yeah, that's a good question. It definitely depends. I think it really, mm -hmm. um, well, it depends on the context, but first it depends on the hardware. So different hardware has, you know, greater or, or less uh, receive sensitivity, just like a Wi-Fi radio and can detect uh, signals that are higher and lower than others. Uh, but it also, you know, so, but part of it is in a Wi-Fi context, well, when do you even care, right? If there's a super quiet signal that's not going to interfere with Wi-Fi, big deal. Yeah. And so the, you know, the 4 dB of SNR, mm -hmm. that's mm -hmm. a pretty good threshold to really yeah. start, you know, uh, yeah. considering the impact of a source of non-Wi-Fi mm -hmm. interference yeah. because that's when you're mm -hmm. going to start tripping the, um, clear channel assessment for, for your Wi-Fi clients. Yep. It's a note, note it and identify it first, right? Before starting to, you know, working around it. And, you know, like you said, Jim, you know, do you even need to, right? For, it goes right to our trivia question. You know, what, what do you do when you see it first, right? Do you, do you, uh, you know, automatically start attacking it or you just, you know, do nothing or, you know, just, you know, make note of it. And you know, I, I just start attacking it. And then I, <laughs> about myself and say, oh, I need to save these graphs. <laughs> no, I usually panic and run. <laughs> A good strategy. <laughs>